Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yes, it is. It is second hour of five on this Friday morning. What does that make it, Rod? It's a freak flag, feel good, fake it till you make it. Ric Flair, woo, football Friday edition. Hook him up with Ian Rod B. Certainly is. It is also a getaway Friday. I'll be headed to uh, New Orleans tomorrow. Making my way, like a lot of you will, down I-10, headed east. Eastbound and down, Rod. Eastbound like and down. Got to be careful on that road. Not a lot of Longhorn fans hitting the road early. Yeah. Got to get on the road. Got to get to NOLA, uh, where the Longhorns will face the Washington Huskies on Monday night in the national semifinal. And, uh, you know, to be a quick turnaround, Rod, I'll be we'll do the show on Tuesday, head back west, and uh, hopefully that would lead to a, uh, a trip to Houston. A week later for a national championship game of what would be, I don't even I mean, well, we got to get there first. Got to take care of business. We first things first. first. Yeah, man. But, I mean, it, uh, you know, you glimpse ahead of the, you get ahead of yourself a little bit. But, man, the, uh, the, the energy, the atmosphere in Houston for a national championship game featuring the Longhorns in, in that city. We talked about yesterday how, how something like that could impact big picture recruiting for the Longhorns in, in, in Houston. Um, you know, with the, the cap the year, but obviously they've got a big challenge ahead of themselves coming up on Monday night. The uh, Heisman Trophy runner-up and Michael Penix is uh, quite the player. That's a quite a passing offense, and uh, looking forward to this game on Monday night. But uh, if you are headed to New Orleans, headed out today, be careful, be safe, and we'll get you there. Lock it in. Five hours. We get you. We get you five hours. I mean, it's about a what a nine-hour drive. Uh, so we'll get you five. We'll get you. We'll get some hours knocked out. Talking Texas football, getting you ready for the big weekend. Cowboys. You know, it, it is right, uh, rightful that uh, you know finally Jerry Jones is going to put Jimmy Johnson in the Ring of Honor tomorrow night. It's finally going to happen. Yeah, can't lose that game. Uh, not when Jimmy's going in. All right, after all this time, I wonder what what changed Jerry's mind. He always said he would do it. He always waffled on it. Kept saying he would do it, and didn't. Then he would say it's it's his decision. He'll do it should it have happened long ago. I think we can say that fairly. I agree, but um, it seems silly. Well, it seems like a silly thing, and I know they're petty because you know they obviously had their issues um, with their breakup. But man, that stuff should have been that that hatchet should have been buried a long time ago. What are we talking about? Twenty? Come on, how many years later are we talking about here? Well, let's let's. I mean, twenty five. Uh, yeah, come on, 20, man. Twenty. Well, no, uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. Going on thirty. Yeah, come on. Uh, it's twenty twenty four. I mean, they haven't won a super. They've been in a Super Bowl since the mid nineties. So, but we know. I mean, Jerry Jones was wanted to show he could do it without Jimmy. I mean, that's been kind of the quest. Pride and, and ego. Pride and ego. Uh, and you know, they they've always outwardly been friendly to one another. Yeah, they've been amicable among you know, but still. Yeah, guys, how you not honor Jimmy Jones? There are people in there that don't, you know, that have been honored ahead of Jimmy that don't make any sense. And I'm not Com- no in comparison, that. right, of yes, what he did for the franchise. Exactly. I mean, when he was hired in the late 80s, the late eighties to coming from Miami and was the architect and the uh, you know built those teams uh, that won three Super Bowls. I mean, he won two of them, but you know the Barry Switzer Super Bowl goes somewhat on the resume of Jimmy I Johnson. Totally agree. Cuz even the players would tell you that. I mean, Jim, Troy Aikman, you know, he had, he he got at odds with Barry Switzer when he got there cuz he didn't like the the lack of, you know, discipline that he brought and relaxed atmosphere. Yeah, because <laughs> he had to become the hard guy. <laughs> Troy Aikman did. Uh, cuz it was always Jimmy Johnson was the the the, the hard, you know, driving force and, and, yeah. and good cop bad cop. So then Troy Aikman could be the good cop. When Barry Switzer came in, he was the good cop, and Troy had to flip to being the bad cop. Yeah, and start yelling at everybody. Want to be a good time coach, hang out. Yeah, yeah. now especially ride the wave. Well, now with that group, because the, the group that Jimmy assembled, they were very combustible. It was, but he he could handle it. He was the lion tamer, right? He could come in, and he was the one that could handle all these volatile personalities, all these 
these these uh, alpha males pretty much that locker room that he had built it with all these really competitive personalities them dogs he got that dog in them all right uh but he was the he was the dog trainer right he could keep all the dogs pretty much uh on a leash he could keep them pre- uh from you know being well i guess they still had their um, off the field issues um but he could keep it from being toxic in the actual locker room and hurting the team they still had their off-the-field issues, I guess. I, mean, I know that. I'm talking about he, they were worried about the product on the field and the product in the locker room. And when Jimmy was there, all the issues that these guys had and their very volatile personalities and combustible uh, mixes, it really didn't hurt the Cowboys. As a matter of fact, you could, you could make the argument that it helped the Cowboys, that it fueled them, and it fueled that run. When he left, man, those, those combustible processes blew up. They started to blow up. and Turned into Oklahoma room, all over again yeah, for Barry Switzer. Yeah, in the locker room, and then the product just starts to deteriorate ultimately. That's right. And, um, you know, the, the talent didn't get replaced. And no. remember when, when the Cowboys won that Super Bowl, their first one in the early 90s, they were the youngest team in the league. Yeah. They are the youngest roster in the league mm-hmm. winning the Super Bowl, yeah. uh, dominating. And, you know, it was – it was quite a run, uh-huh. and obviously you, you, you finally, 30-plus years later, he's going to go into the Ring of Honor. Is, and is, it, is, is he in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? He is. Yeah. yeah. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame before he's in the Ring of Honor. I mean, come on, Jerry. That's, that's so ridiculous. Like, come on. That, that is, you're, well, so, I, you're obviously holding a grudge. Some guy. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but not in your organization's Hall of Fame. And, and to, to that point, because he did things that were unprecedented at the time. They had the biggest offensive line in the history of the NFL when they made that run, and nobody had offensive lines that were that mammoth. And he decided, no, no, we're going to build the biggest O-line that you've ever seen. And that Jimmy Johnson value chart really kind of changed draft evaluation and the way teams uh, basically decided to uh, attribute scores and rankings to, to, to different prospects. And when he came out, and this is something we've seen all the time, but the Cowboys are one of the best examples of it. He has such a deep knowledge of college prospects. You brought up them being the youngest team in the NFL. When he when he remade that roster after the Herschel Walker trade, he he knew exactly what he was getting in those prospects they were drafting. Well, not exactly, but he knew more. I would say had a more informed opinion than most of the talent evaluations because he came from college and he used that knowledge. He had recruited some of these kids like in high school from high school. So he knew about them and used that base knowledge to build the Cowboys uh, from the ground up. Yeah, and the Herschel Walker trade didn't hurt to bring in a lot of draft capital exactly. that they used to acquire yeah. those players. And, yes, it uh, rest is history. But, uh, by the way, if you're, you're going to be watching this game, it's Saturday night. It's tomorrow night. Uh, it's on ABC and ESPN, and the, uh, the, the ceremony will happen at halftime uh, of the game. And ESPN is going to show the whole thing. Oh, that's cool. So you'll be able to see all of it. Lions will be the uh, the counterpart there. Of course, the NFC North champions coming in at eleven and four. Cowboys are ten and five. That's part of a big weekend and the final weekend of this calendar year, twenty twenty three. Let's get to the other headlines, trending topics. Rod's got a rant coming up. His first of two this morning. Uh, we will let you hear Jimmy Johnson in his own words of what led to the divorce with he and Jimmy Johnson, uh, or Jerry Jones, I should say, coming up. I'll get you that this hour. But first, let's get you the news. All right, Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories here on this Friday morning. It starts with college football, T-minus three days and uh, about 13, 14 hours till th- third-ranked Texas meets second-ranked Washington in the national semifinal at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Pretty clear for Texas to win Monday night. They're going to have to have a great plan to handle Michael Penix Jr., the Huskies' uh, quarterback, and, of course, that Huskies' top-rated passing offense. Seniors thrown for over 4,200 yards and 33 touchdowns this season. At his media availability yesterday, the Heisman Trophy runner-up said he expects the Texas D-line to be good. Says they're good. Features Outland Trophy winner Tavondre Sweat, Big 12 defensive lineman of the year Byron Murphy, but uh, said they play good ball. Wouldn't say they're playing the 49ers or the Eagles D-line, so they'll be good. Texas and Washington will play Monday night. Kickoff set for 7:45. Other national semifinal will play at the Rose Bowl on Monday afternoon. That's where top-ranked Michigan faces fourth-ranked Alabama. Uh, we'll talk more about that game coming up as well. That game, 4 o'clock on Monday. Four bowl games yesterday and last night. That included the Alamo Bowl down in San Antonio where Arizona rallied to beat Oklahoma. Six Oklahoma turnovers led to uh, a 38-24 Arizona win there. That included an 87-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Arizona scored the final 25 points of that game. Kansas State topped NC State 28-19 at the Pop-Tart Bowl. Rutgers took down Miami in the Pinstripe Bowl in New York 31-24. And then rainy Boston. Boston College rallied past SMU 23-14. Four more bowl games on tap today including one at 11 o'clock this morning, Clemson facing Kentucky in the Gator Bowl. 19th-ranked Oregon State will battle 16th-ranked Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl in El Paso.
Paso this afternoon. Iowa State beats Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. And uh, Iowa State in Memphis, by the way. And tonight it's a top 10 matchup at the Cotton Bowl in Arlington. Seventh-ranked Ohio State facing ninth-ranked Missouri. Good game there. Uh, NFL Week 16 did kick off last night. Break up the Browns. Won their fourth straight game. Clemson has AFC playoff berth with a 37-20 win over the New York Jets. Joe Flacco, another 300-yard game. He had 296 yards passing by halftime as they built a big lead. He threw three touchdowns as well. Browns approved to 11-5 on the year. We mentioned in Arlington, Cowboys playing the Lions tomorrow night with the ceremony for Jimmy Johnson. Down in Houston on Sunday, the Texans will look to keep their playoff hopes alive when they uh, host the Tennessee Titans. Good news for Houston yesterday. Word that their starting quarterback, C.J. Stroud, has cleared the concussion protocol. He will start that game. He's missed the last two games after suffering that concussion against the Jets a few weeks ago. Uh, NBA last night, Spurs put it into their latest losing skid. They beat Portland 118-105, and uh, Mavericks ran into the top team in the Western Conference and got beat 118-110 in Minnesota. Anthony Edwards scored a season high 44 points to lead the T-Wolves. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Is it possible that Joe Flacco could win Comeback Player of the Year? It's Tamar Hamlin's Baker Mayfield? Is the more No, he's the odds on favor. He's like minus five hundred. I know. I, yeah, you're right about that. I guess you're right, Betty. Even though he's right. barely played this year, it's like you can't. He, he died. Oh, well, I think he's on a team. Uh, and he came back to. Yeah, but I think it's. I mean, it's Baker Mayfield to this point, as far as on field play. But he's not going to win. We'll see. Joe uh, Flacco's number be, two right now on the betting odds. Yeah, you might be right about that, Ty. That's yeah. I I get why he would win it, but in terms of on field play. I don't know if that's the. I don't know if that's, I promise you, he's going to win it. That's the that's the one it's law. It's more ceremonial, I guess. The yeah. NFL would do it that way. It's ceremonial, and I, I trust me, I get it. I'm not saying it shouldn't be the case, but if the if he didn't win it, let's take him out of the equation. I and you just pointed out you you said Joe Flacco has the best odds right now, second best odds behind Demar Hamlin. Correct. Comeback player of the year. Yeah, I think he actually, and it's you're right. Baker Mayfield should. Because he's actually done more, or in his more complete resume. But Joe Flacco's got these these splash performances. He's only been playing for four games, but, but there are four great games. Exactly. And I will say the the the, the odds have tight like shortened a little bit. It was like minus two thousand to Mar Hamlin a few weeks ago. Now he's probably down to like I haven't checked this week, but probably like five hundred minus five hundred. Well, look so. at Baker. Okay. Baker leads the the Buccaneers into the playoffs in a division championship. I mean, he's thrown for 30, almost 3,600 yards. He's thrown 26 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. He's got a quarterback rating through the roof. I mean, he's this he's playing as a top-10 quarterback. He's top-10 in passer rating, or at least he was last week. I mean, that's got to be good for comeback player of the year from a guy who was – But does a comeback player, does it matter from where you come from, like from the depth of where you come back from, right? That, that, it's like Joe Flacco was on the couch just kicking it. Baker Mayfield was playing. He was still playing. Joe Flacco was just kicking it on the couch like, hey, man, you know, I think I can still play a little bit. He was probably, like, you know, warming up his own. I would love to know exactly what he was doing, eating Pop-Tarts at home, kicking. You know, so I think that, that's why DeMar Hamlin, that's why he's the odds on favor, right? He came back from death. Yes. And in most years, again. most years it's not, it's the same thing where it's usually come back from an injury or something like that. Yes. So it's, so it's, it's, it's rarely a performance like, oh, you sucked last year. And you came back, and you're you're good this year. Baker Mayfield on the Rams, he wasn't bad last year when he did no, get right. to play. He wasn't terrible. Yeah, yeah, but wasn't he released last year? Yeah, by Carolina. But Carolina point. was, you know, they were tanking at that point. Yeah, but what with one Sam Darnold over him? Yeah, and then he was <laughs> finished as like a third, you know, kind of a backup quarterback no. in the Rams. And I didn't think he'd be. I didn't know if he'd be a starter again. I wasn't sure about that. So yeah, all he's done this year is start every single game and mm-hmm. play really well. They're gonna win um, the division, if you're right? Yeah, there's a division champ. But you know, I mean, it's it's. I don't have a vote, but I would vote for Baker. But you, know, you understand, Demar Hamlin, he came back from death to, <laughs> to make a roster. Hard to, hard to argue about comeback player. Of the year. I do kind of get it now. Like actually, if you're thinking about it, like hey, if they come back from you know something. A, Obviously, injuries, depending on the trial, the tribulation they had to face in order to overcome to come back, yeah, DeMar Hamlin wins it. But I'm with you. Baker Mayfield, has made, he really is one of the best stories in the NFL this season. It's a lot of great stories we haven't talked about, but he's a quarterback that stayed healthy. 
that's half the damn battle these days. Well, that's right. With a quarterback. Just well, get a healthy That's why he's a top ten quarterback. There's only about ten that have stayed healthy all year <laughs> exactly. long. Yeah, you're right about that. That's a good point. As I was he's top ten in pass already. He was like, well, it's easier to be top ten this year than it usually would be. Not as many guys. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's great fair. stuff. Uh, we'll hear from Jimmy Johnson coming up as he goes into the ring of honor finally at long last. Also, some bullish or BS for the end of the hour. But right now, it's time for Rod's first rant of a Friday. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, so yesterday, PK spoke to the media. He never gets really speaks to the media. I think at the beginning of the season, Sark lets uh, his coordinator speak to the media, and then at the end. Uh, so we got a chance to hear from PK. Uh, he, two pieces of audio I want to get to that I think are really relevant to the, the game plan between Washington, uh, Washington's offense, obviously, and Texas defense, uh, PK being the defensive coordinator. The so first cut is about Tavondre Sweat. He's asked about Tavondre Sweat. He's asked about how good Tavondre Sweat is. But it's the part at the end that I think is really, really relevant. Um, but I do think it's a really nice cut uh, when he talks about the maturity of Tavondre Sweat in leadership. So here is uh, PK. There's two pieces to Tavondre. Um... Obviously, the physical stature that you, you mentioned, but also his level of maturity and growth as a teammate, um, a leader, has been, um, has been awesome. Um, from the first year that we got here to, to now, to see his growth and how, how he approaches, um, how he communicates with the, with the guys, not, not so when it's going great, but when it's not going, when we face adversity. He, he's a... He's a, he's a a very influential guy in that locker room. And so to, to see his growth from a leadership standpoint has been awesome. And then, yeah, he's a big dude that's, you know, there, there's an athlete somewhere inside that body. That's what you always joke about. But he is um, hard to move. He eats up a lot of space. He takes multiple blockers. And so that frees up the linebackers, um, gives us a little bit more um, – a uh, bit of a luxury to be able to play with lighter boxes um, because of what those two guys inside can do um, in the run game. I think the last part is key. I talked to uh, Coach Bob Shipley about this as well. And, I, you know, Texas last season, their game plan, guys, was a, I thought it was a good game plan. Now, I've actually thrown out a lot of reasons why it may not have been an effective overall game plan, but – Holding Michael Penix to his lowest yards per attempt in the last two years, he, it was his, he had his longest incompletion streak of the season, actually, in that game. Uh, under 60% completion percentage, only one pass completed of 20 yards or more, and it was a flea flicker on the first play of the game. I thought pass defense-wise, they actually had a decent game plan, but it did have some holes, and one of the holes were that they played with a lot of two deep safeties, rotating their safeties late in the run game to come uh, rally late in the run game to be forced run defenders. But they stayed with a lot of two high shell coverages, and they played with lighter boxes at times, and those lighter boxes allowed them to run the football. This year, they're better against light boxes. You know, last season, they were about 40-something in the country in rush defense. This year, they're top five. They're, they're actually the best Big 12 rush defense, not only overall, but against the light box, which is fewer defenders than you have blockers. Now, you can do that, like you said, because of Tafundre Sweat, because he he's, he's such a massive human, he takes up two blockers. So you go back to winning the numbers game, and you can spin it in their favor. And if Byron Murphy and Tafundre Sweat both – can take up multiple blockers or they take three to block your two. Once again, you win the numbers advantage and then you can play with a lighter box. Uh, Texas allowing less than four yards per carry uh, with a light box, uh, less than 1.9 yards per attempt, uh, yards after ca uh, contact per attempt. So they're really good from a light box. Last year they couldn't do it successfully. This year I think they can. Uh, and that's one of the, the keys, I think, to this game. Can they stop the run the light box? If they can, they'll keep the safeties deep and they'll be able to neutralize the deep passing attack. If they can't, they'll have to bring a safety back into the box to win the numbers advantage to stop the run. And if they do that, 
your your corners and DBs are going to be left on islands, one-on-one. Speaking of, uh, PK was also asked about those DBs <laughs> um, and them being left on an island. Uh, here is uh, what PK had to say about the deep when being asked about the DBs and them being a vulnerability and if he had faith and confidence that they could hold up against the best passing offense in the country. Just better understanding of um, the leverage and, you know, we've, we've tweaked some things in the back end that, that have helped them. Um, but then they're going to catch the ball. We got to get them on the ground, right? And so when when we tackle, right, we have it and don't give up explosive plays, um, and we try and force these these uh, offenses to drive the length of the field. We're we're pretty good, um, but it's it's all about control, tackling and controlling the explosive plays. Um, and then you know there's the 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 deep balls are. They're one-on-ones, right? And they do a good job. We got to go up and compete, and we got to got to play the hands, and play the ball. And um, there's no no magic magic answer to that, other than competing and you know being where you're supposed to be. And then at the at the at the when you were high pointing the ball, right, and making a play on the ball, playing the hands, and hopefully getting the ball stripped out. All right, that's PK talking about his DBs. And you, you'll recognize he say they changed the leverage. I talked about this on this show and on other shows about how they the, the leverage was bad early on for Texas. That's why they were giving up a lot of inside breaking routes. And they they changed that, and it became more aggressive, especially in the last two games where they played a lot of more bump and run coverage than they had played all year long against Oklahoma State and against Texas Tech. Let's talk about the deep ball really quickly. Last year, they were great at defending the deep ball. Only, only, only allowed one pass of 20 yards or more down the field. Uh, Washington was one of 10. And they were just as vertically you know, centric in their passing game as they are this season. They're completing now 44% of their passes 20 yards or more down the field, which is a phenomenal number. Right? It's just that's a low percentage throw, and they kind of make it a you know an a, a, a higher percentage throw because they're so good at it. They got three NFL wide receivers: Romo Dunze. He's the best contested catch receiver in the country. He he literally makes 50-50 balls, 70-30 balls, because he's, he's catching 70% of his contested targets. Uh, 17 contested catches, uh, that is the most in the FBS. Uh, behind Marvin Harrison Jr., he's probably considered the best wide receiver uh, that will be coming out in the draft. Daniel Jeremiah says his favorite wide receiver actually coming out in the draft is Romo Dunze. It's actually not Marvin Harrison Jr., which, like I said, that's a bold statement. The deep ball, though. Texas is defending the deep ball pretty well this year, only allowing opponents to complete 36% of their passes, 20 yards, on, uh, 20 yards or more down the field, which is not bad. But when you take out the backup quarterbacks out of that sample size, which Texas played three backup quarterbacks, that number rises to 42%. Um, and then seven opponents completed 40% or better on deep balls against Texas. Six of their opponents were 50% or better on deep balls against Texas. Uh, Oklahoma State actually was 3 of 7 on passes 20 yards or more down the field. Texas played a lot of bump and run coverage, so their answer or adjustment was out and ups, the double moves, and just to throw, throw deep shots, and they had some success, not including the P.I. that they got or P.I.s that should have been called. This season, oh, almost 90% of all the P.I.s that Texas um, has been called for, have been on deep balls. So that's they'll probably try to utilize that too on deep balls. That's a problem. Um, so Texas got to be better at defending deep ball. That goes without saying. And they have to be better at defending certain concepts, and they do it with leverage. Uh, PK talked about this. I think he hinted at it. When I went back and watched the film from last season, um, Texas defending – uh, on third and fourth down, money downs. And they're better this year because they were 94th last year. Now they're a top five money down defense. But still they have had trouble defending targets to bunch formation, closely clustered groups of receivers, and inside breaking routes. Uh, and when you look at uh, money downs, just third and fourth downs this year, um, I look at a 53% conversion rate on inside breaking routes. Uh, versus power five starting quarterbacks when they're targeting uh, on money downs, targeting inside breaking routes on money downs. So that's, that's over 50% conversion rate, and same thing similar when they're 
targeting bunch formation, closely clustered groups of receivers on money downs. Uh, you're talking about over a 70% conversion rate for uh, the uh, Power 5 quarterbacks that Texas has faced, starting quarterbacks Texas has faced, basically. So you're looking at a, you know, that's one of the vulnerabilities. They don't have many. And when I looked at last season, how Washington moved the football, how they kept the football, how they had long sustained drives because they weren't able to really throw the football downfield. It's mostly the running game, which we talked about, but also these concepts. Uh, inside breaking routes, they had a 50% conversion rate on inside breaking routes last season in the Alamo Bowl when they were uh, on money downs targeting inside breaking routes, and they had over an 80% conversion rate when they were targeting closely clustered groups of receivers, bunch formations on money downs last season in the Alamo Bowl. Texas has struggled with it. They struggled with it against Washington last season. They're going to see it. they got to figure out a way to fix it. I think the game will come down to Texas defending the deep ball, Texas defending those concepts I just mentioned, inside breaking routes and uh, the targets to bunch formation, and also empty formation, which hurt them a lot too. And this team loves to run a lot of empty formation. Remember U of H ran a lot of empty formation versus Texas, and they had a lot of success running empty formation. They were 12 of, I think, 12 of 14 running empty formation, 85% completion percentage, over nine yards per attempt. They love to do it too, and they'll just abandon the running game altogether, put the ball in Michael Penix's hands, and let him run it. So pressuring Michael Penix is just half the battle. The DB's got to hold up in coverage because you're not going to get there every time going up against an offensive line this good. Good stuff right there. And Rod's rant, the first of two today, the uh, second to last of the year, Rod. This is our final oh, yeah. show of 2023, getting you into the final weekend of the year, leading you into a new year that's going to start with the Longhorns playing for a national championship. Good stuff right there. Coming back, we'll uh, hit more of these conversations, getting you hear Jalen Milrow, who apparently was told mm-hmm. by Bill O'Brien, the former offensive coordinator of Alabama, that he should switch positions. Uh, we'll let you hear his response to that. And uh, now he's got his team playing for a national championship as well on Monday. Uh, we'll get to some bullish or BS. It took him up with Ian Rod B. Coming right back. Nothing turns game day into a great day, like stocking up at Specs and cheering on the Cowboys. As a proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys, Specs has everything you need to turn your pregame party into a full-on football feast. With lower prices on a stadium-sized selection of world-class wines, spirits, beers, seltzers, and gourmet foods, Specs is your one-stop shop for all your game day essentials. Cowboy up at Specs. The fun starts here. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook em up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Appreciate your uh, messages and thoughts and opinions on the text line, 512-447-3776. It says, is it the comeback player of the year or the resurrection player of the year? Uh, in our DeMar Hamlin-Baker-Mayfield conversation. <laughs> That's pretty good. Not bad. It's not bad. But, uh, yeah, no, I get it. I get the DeMar Hamlin thing. I understand it. Um, hey, this is a song. Apparently, the, the are you playing this time because the team was jamming this during their workout? No. Oh, interesting. I just like that song. Okay. What, what, who is that? What is that song, Ty? It's I'd Rather Be With that. You by Bootsy Collins. I thought I saw Bootsy. that they were jamming Bootsy, but I could be off. Let me check this out. We've seen a lot of updates from NOLA. Yeah, they had a two-hour practice yesterday afternoon. Mm-hmm. The media got to watch about seven minutes of it, and then Sark got them out of there before they got down to business, and they were practicing in the, uh, the Superdome there. Yeah, and, they said they were practicing, practicing a lot of tackling, which makes sense because one of the things that after a long layoff – like this, um, just making sure they wrap up just all of the kind of the fundamentals with tackling. That could be something that you know that could easily come back to bite you. Just guys missing tackles, something simple. But you haven't done it in a long time. Full That's, speed. A lot of people said that. A lot of coaches that I've uh, heard talk about the long layoff say it's a lot of the things that are troublesome in the first game of the season pop up again in that bowl game after that long layoff. Tackling. Uh, you know, special teams, miscues, uh, ball security stuff. And it's like, guys, we already, you know, we, we went through this, but uh, you take it for, you kind of take that stuff for granted when you don't have those really physical practices and you're not having those, the later you get in the year, the less physical the practices are going to be because guys are banged up. You're just trying to get fresh. Safeguarding against injuries is your biggest concern and primary concern as a coach to, get, to be as fresh as you possibly can. And that comes with, 
you know, some drawbacks, which is you lose the awareness that you gain, ball security, tackling, all of those different things. So I understand. No, for sure. I mean, you got to try to get them back to the game speed. Now, Sark did say uh, when he got to New Orleans, he's been really pleased with the guy's mindset since they've mm-hmm. come back, right, and they've been really locked in. Look, I mean, you don't um, – you talk about the, the dog and Michael Penix and the dog and Byron Murphy. Look, these guys know what they're playing for. I mean, oh, yeah. this is, their motivation will not be a factor in this game. Yep. Uh, you're playing to – to be a, be legendary, right? You're playing to win a national a championship. You've already both of these teams have already won their conference championships and uh, leave with that honor. But at the same time, you have a chance to now play for the biggest biggest prize. And um, you know, one of the things, one of the themes we've had on this show and throughout the year, Rod, is you know there's so many guys on this current Texas roster that are never going to play in the SEC. We talked about that all summer. Like, no. I mean, yeah, the SEC is the talk of Texas in uh, 2024 and what the schedule is going to look like. And, you know, Sark was clear. Look, I don't, you know, um, you remember when the, the, the opponents came out this summer, the Longhorns, who they were going to play in the oh, SEC. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, Sark, every player kind of put out this year's schedule, the 2023 schedule. Let's focus on, uh, this. Let's focus on this one. And, you know, that, that's, that's really what, what has fueled this Texas run, in my mind, to this point is, that, you know, the – you know, both of these teams are going to be in new conferences next year, right? Texas yeah. will be in the in the uh, in the SEC. Washington will be in the Big Ten. As as strange as that sounds, but the, the, this current group, these guys. I mean, look, we talk about Texas and all their veteran players. Uh, they got a ton of guys who were here with Tom Herman, who uh, went five and seven with Sark, and have been seen the, the bad days. Well, there are like ten guys on the Washington roster who were were there with Chris Peterson. Yeah. I mean, it goes back that far. Mm-hmm. And they've been through some down times, too. That's why these, these, these teams are almost mirror images of one another in where their programs were and are, where the, the, the players who stuck through it, uh, you know, through the down times to the good times. And, you know, again, the guys on Washington, the guys on Texas, they're never going to play a game in the Big Ten. They're never going to play a game in, in the SEC. Mm-hmm. This is it for them. And that's what's on the line here, a, a chance to leave a legendary mark on that program, which is – Pretty darn cool for guys like Jalen Ford and yep. Tavondre and X-Man and all these guys who are going to move on to their next phase of their lives. Um, the program at Texas, and I would say the program at Washington, is still in pretty good hands moving forward. But for all the guys that this is it, this is this is what's driving uh, this this energy for me in this game. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, that's the storylines uh, for both these teams are just really good. Uh, they, I mean, they, and they're except and you brought it up. I mean, we I've talked about how Texas has great football character, and you brought it up. Hey, Washington has really good football character too. <laughs> uh, whether it comes to Michael Penix, this guy dealing with multiple ACL surgeries and uh, multiple injuries, transferred uh, with Kalen DeBoer, and now is in the college football playoff with an undefeated Husky team and uh, with the highest. Uh, I believe it is the highest that any uh, Husky has ever finished in the Heisman, uh, which was like he was second in the Heisman, I believe. Uh, so that's a great story there. Their offensive line actually is a pretty good story. I talked about how you know they lost uh, their starting center uh, for the year, and everybody thought, oh, man, it's definitely going to derail them. They're definitely going to – and that was early on in the season. That was the second, second game of the season. Um, hell, Texas lost the Oklahoma game in the one game where they lost their starting center. And the game is tough when you lose your starting center. Uh, and yet they were able to uh, as a recalibrate as an offensive line and end up being the best offensive line, at least awarded uh, the Joe Moore Award for being the best offensive line in the country. That's losing their center. That's tough to do. Yeah. Uh, that takes good football character. Texas, you're losing your starting running back who would have won the Doak Walker Award. <laughs> if not, uh, and still being able to bounce back and have a young, you know, 100-yard rusher and a C.J. Baxter and then a Jaden Blue run for 100 yards. Uh, that's tough, playing their best football of the season um, in the last two games of the season, playing the final, the complete game that we have been asking for from this team. They might be peaking at the right time. So I just, I, I'm with you. I think this is, there are a lot of great stories that you can point out here. Um, this matchup is – and I love the Bama-Michigan matchup. I think both programs almost have doppelganger like qualities about where they, they, they mirror each other in some ways. And the, the, the Washington's worst aspect of their team is their pass defense. Worst aspect of Texas' team, pass defense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, really good weapons. Honestly, the offensive scheme is very – and philosophy is very similar between Kalen DeBoer's scheme and Sark's scheme. Yeah, no, it is. And, uh, you know, the, the, the track to here, obviously, Kalen DeBoer's in year two, Sark's in year three. But the one thing you hear about Kalen DeBoer from anybody that's covered that team is just how genuine it is, how, how down-to-earth he is, how calm he is. Uh, and much like Sark, who in his new incarnation as head coach has come back to be more genuine, right, be more deliberate with his players, more open with his players. And that's how you win a locker room that's 
a lot of guys you didn't recruit, right? I mean, that's how you exactly right. you don't have to throw everybody out. You know, you have to win those guys. You have to win their their trust, and uh, both of these coaches have done that. Uh, and that's how you you get to this point with a lot of guys who you didn't recruit and were here when you got here and that kind of stuff. How all too often you hear coaches say, you know, I, I, I got to get my guys, I got to get my guys, and then we'll be fine. Neither of these coaches took that tact, right? I mean, they wanted to go get the guys they are going to need, but at the same time they they convinced the guys who had been there. Uh, to stick with it and, and ride a, a new way. And uh, I think that's what's exciting, one of the many things that is exciting about this matchup. And you're right about the Michigan-Alabama game. With that in mind, Ty, can we play this Jalen Milrow? This was uh, pretty interesting, that Jalen Milrow, who, you know, got off to the rough start, trying to learn a new, trying to learn a new offense. Uh, uh, with with Tommy Reese coming in from Notre Dame, and we saw you know against Texas early that it was it was a struggle for him. Uh, but man, after getting benched after the Texas game and coming back, he played as good a football as any quarterback in the country from you know week four on, uh, week five on, and now he's playing for a national championship. They beat Georgia, and he played great in that Georgia game in the SEC championship game. Here's uh, Milrow yesterday at his press availability, revealing that Bill O'Brien, when he was the offensive coordinator, advised him to switch positions, right? Switch positions. You probably shouldn't be a quarterback um, because, Bill, you know, Texans fans like you and I are know the, uh, the player um, scouting ability and uh, assessment ability of one Bill O'Brien, who was our general manager oh. for a while. Uh, here is Jalen Milrow out of Houston, Texas, or Katy, Texas. His response, actually, he was asked by, a, you'll hear it, the question from the member of the media about uh, Bill O'Brien's advice. What was your reaction to Bill O'Brien telling you that you shouldn't play quarterback? Do you remember how you felt when he said that? How would you feel if I told you you suck? I didn't like it. Okay, then. So that's, that's exactly how I felt. You know what I'm saying? Is there a position he wanted you to play or said you should be this position or that position? Or he just... I mean, he, he, I mean, he told me a bunch of bits that I could have switched to. But look where I'm at right now. So, you know what I'm saying? So who gets the last laugh? Who gets the last laugh, Rod? Uh, no, I mean, there are, there are plenty of ways to skin a cat. There are a lot of different ways to play the quarterback position. Uh, we're finally learning that, you know, if you make the – you tailor the offense to the skill set of the quarterback, the, the quarterback can't have success, even if they are limited in their skill set, even if they don't have a, a well-rounded skill set, even if they're not the prototypical quarterback that you want or expect them to be. Uh, that's your failure as a coach if you can tailor the system to their skill set. I mean, that's your job as a coach. As coach, as Mike Tomlin say, don't run from coaching. Don't run from it. That's what coaching is. You <laughs> see a player, he's got some raw materials for you to work with. He's got some strengths in his skill set. He's got some weaknesses. Okay, then build a system around his strengths that highlight his strengths and are able to mitigate his weaknesses. And as a coach, help him get better. He's supposed to be better from week one to week ten. And if he's not getting better, well, you know what? Man in the mirror moment for you as a coach. Why isn't he getting better? He's with you every damn day. <laughs> Why isn't he getting better? And I think, you know, some coaches, they kind of run from that challenge. And it's like, uh, you should just change positions. It's like, well, should he? So sometimes that is the answer. Sometimes it is. But they were doing that in the NFL with Lamar Jackson. Oh, I just play receiver. Like, oh, you're just running from coaching? I mean, he's, he's got some – He's got great talent for the quarterback position. Why don't you adapt the offense to his skill set? Who did it? John Harbaugh. Paid off for him. Paid some well, dividends. And you can found understand a, a guy like Jalen Milrow, who, you know, you, you recruited me as a quarterback. I mean, it wasn't like I didn't play quarterback in high school. Now you yeah. – to Alabama. And now you're advising me to switch positions? Come on now. Um, you know, let, as you said, let's let's let, – because, you know, the other great, great quote I heard from Jalen Milrow when asked about, you know, working on his passing, which he's done. He's really worked on throwing and – he, he said, I don't work on running. I've run my whole life. I know how to run. I don't work on that. <laughs> I love that. I, work on I know how to run. Yeah. Because right. Nick Saban has said that Jalen Miller might be the fastest player on their team. That's crazy. He goes, I can run. I, 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 I don't need to work on that. i got to work on my throwing, and that's what I've been working on. And you've seen the improvement. And that's the coaching. Give Tommy Reese some credit that they yeah. they built the offense, and he's become a – and that's why a lot of people, Rod, and I, you might be one of them, picking Alabama in this game because Michigan, as good as they are, as solid as they are, have not seen a quarterback no. – who brings this to the table. Uh, you know, in the Longhorns, if they can get to the national championship game and play Alabama again, they'll see a different quarterback than they saw week two in Tuscaloosa. Uh, that is true. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the great equalizer, right? you got a quarterback that can move around, that can make plays, that can 
uh, turn a broken play <laughs> into a positive play uh, that can extend plays. I mean, we just we literally just watched this with Lamar Jackson, right? We watched against the 49ers pass rush. Him, basically, even them, they, they're pressuring him too. They, they're applying pressure, but then he escapes the pressure to either scramble or to extend the play and look downfield in a scramble drill, which is essentially another play. So you got to defend multiple plays when you have a quarterback like that. I got to defend the first play, and then when he goes to improvise and he goes to second reaction plays, I got to defend the second reaction play. And that's what the 49ers didn't do real. The 49ers did a great job of defending the first play. But the second reaction play, oh, man, that's hell on wheels. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> and that, that's what people are worried about Michigan. I think Michigan do, will do a really good job. And this is why some coaches with quarterbacks like that, they want to keep them in the pocket. I'm going to keep you in the pocket. That way I'm only defending one damn play. I'm going to keep you in the pocket, and we're not even going to really rush you because if we rush and we get we go into rush lanes, then we give you too much room to operate, and then you can escape the pocket. If I keep you bottled up in the pocket, at least I'm defending that one play, and it's predictable. There's a predictability to where you are going to be. When that dude escapes the pocket, Jalen Miro, there is no predictability to what the hell he's going to do. He could run. He could throw it. He could run to throw. He could run, escape, and then keep the play alive and then throw it the last second. It's just possibilities are endless. And you can't defend all those scenarios. You keep him in the pocket, you can defend that one scenario. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, there's not a player like him in the Big Ten. Like Michigan has no, not faced a quarterback like this. Like it, yeah. uh, and it's one of those, can they simulate, even simulate that in practice? I mean, uh, then maybe they got a guy, but I don't know. I haven't looked at their roster, but you're right. They, I don't think they can simulate in practice either. That's. That's it will take them at least a quarter plus to get used to the speed of that of him at the quarterback position um, and operating with that kind of efficiency. Um, so it's that. But I, if anybody can do it, Michigan's defense can do it. I'm not saying they can't because Michigan's defense is stout. Uh, and Michigan may decide, you know what, we we're gonna put a, uh, one of our spies on them, and we got freaks uh, athletically too, and we can match up with them. And as long as we can make him go sideline to sideline and never have to go vertical. It, it, you know, we can neutralize him as a runner. And if you neutralize his running ability as a passer, he doesn't hurt you except with the deep ball. His deep ball is an elite. No, he trait. can really throw it's it. And he got Texas a couple times yeah, uh, in that game in Tuscaloosa. I would also say this, like that game needed another subplot with Saban and Harbaugh. So Alabama wide receiver Isaiah Bond revealed yesterday out in Pasadena mm-hmm. that the Crimson Tide can't watch film on their own iPads, their tablets because of the sign-stealing scandal that Nick Saban apparently believes Michigan may have hacked into their film apps. Hey, smart man. <laughs> so smart he said man. you cannot – you have to – you can gather in groups and we can watch film as position groups. We're going old school? Old school. Old school? Yeah. Hey, but I you, remember them. But you can't take the iPad home with you and watch on your own. Like get hacked. Because you – because Connor Stallions and the Michigan Wolverines may have hacked us. That is fantastic. <laughs> old school film watching too. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I like it, man. I like it. I, you know, because honestly, the, the iPad film watching is great for guys who are uh, – like me, I was intrinsically motivated. So you give me access to just – I can watch film. I remember when they gave us, like, the DVDs and stuff. I was like, oh, man, please give me more. Just give me more. I can watch it in my room, hang out in my room and watch it. Not everybody's motivated like that. Some guys need to study groups. And with the iPad, you don't get the study group. Uh, mentality. Remember Kyler Murray with the Cardinals? Like there yeah, are no exactly. minutes on the iPad. Yeah, some guys will sit around. Uh, man, you know what? I'll do that later. It's like, no, man, do it now. Yeah, play Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. So I think for the for the guys who need the study group, this kind of old school mentality helps. Because I I recognize some of the guys like, nah, you need study group, man. You need to come watch with me. Well, come on, we'll grab some pizza or something. Let's go watch some film. You know, is he overly cautious or is he on to something? No, he's on to something. Yeah. No, don't take any chances. <laughs> no, with Jim Harbaugh? No, the guys who've been suspended twice? Yeah, don't take any chances. Violations? Don't take any chances. Nope, don't take Love any that chances. Story. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, we'll be watching that game, by the way, on Monday while we do our pregame, getting you ready for Texas and uh, Washington. Of course, 4 to 7. We'll be live on Monday afternoon with you and myself, Rod, Patrick Davis, the crew. I'll oh, be yeah. in New Orleans live at Manning's, the Manning's restaurant right there uh, down off of uh, Canal right there by the, the Harris Casino. That's where I'll be, along with Bobby Burton of, of, hey. uh, on Texas football. And remember, that Manning's location run on Monday is where the uh, one, Texas One Fund is going to be gathering for their day-long event. I like that. Uh, so come on out there. And about a lot of, I think, what they tell us, 30 or 40 former players are going to be rolling through there. We'll grab them and try to talk to them while we're doing pregame if we can. Also, Bobby and I will be doing some, some streaming for On Texas Football. So that'll be our location, Mannings, uh, in downtown New Orleans on Monday. And our pregame show will be happening, Rod, while the Rose Bowl is happening, Alabama and Michigan. So we'll oh, have uh, live eyeballs on that. Uh, and then it's tex- Texas and Washington at 745. I'll also be coming to you live from uh, New Orleans on Tuesday morning. 
for our first hook 'em up edition of 20 and 24, Rod. Uh, excited to do that. And I do want to say thanks to our travel partners, our friends at Hayes City Store, uh, and of course, Taste on May. Uh, Travis and Tamara Tyndall, our travel partners, helping us get there. They're going to be in New Orleans as well, taking in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, they are, are helping us get there. Hayes City Store in Driftwood. What a great location. These beautiful days we've been having. Great time to get out there and enjoy it. Also, in charming downtown Buda, go see Taste on Main. They've built it into a, a, a hundred year old historic building, and uh, it's just a great, great place for a steak, some seafood, a raw bar. If you're looking for a great, uh, high class uh, you know, dinner experience, but also in a casual environment in downtown Buda, do it at Hayes City Store, excuse me, at Taste on Main uh, on Main Street in downtown Buda. We'll come back when we do, Rod. Some bullish or BS? Yes, sir. On this busy uh, Friday, obviously, final Friday of the year. It took them up with Ian Rod B. Bullish or BS next. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Somebody asked if uh, Peyton Manning owns the Manning's Restaurant in New Orleans. We'll be broadcasting on Monday. No, Archie. Archie, the Manning family owns it. It's in the Manning family. Yeah. But uh, Archie was uh, opened that up. Got 30 flat screen TVs, big two 13-foot mega screens to be watching the games. What's that menu look like? Menu's... I'm trying to remember. We ate there uh, in 2018. It's like, like, it's like sports bar food? Sports or? bar food, Okay, yeah. sports bar food. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's right on Fulton Street, which gosh, it's a stone's throw to the Mississippi River uh, down on that, on the uh, whatever direction that is in New Orleans, not far from the Harris Casino and the Convention Center area. Uh, really cool spot. Nice. So that's where we will be, Manning Sports Bar and Grill. The place is going to be packed. It's going to be fantastic. Heaven for Longhorn fans. It's going to be haven for Longhorn fans. I don't know if there will be a heavy contingent of Washington Husky fans down there. I'll, I'll report back as right. we get there on Saturday evening. I would say this, and now if you go to the website, it, might, it looks like maybe the uh, the Harris Casino bought the, the sports bar from the Mannings because it's now under the uh, the Harris, you go through the Caesar website to oh, get to it. Oh, okay. Caesar's right. Casino. So, so can you bet in there? I was, <laughs> But we'll find out. Oh, okay, Ty. Ty. Oh, I'll be at Harris pretty much all day tomorrow. Come find me. Beautiful. There you go. Oh, Ty's <laughs> gonna be. He's gonna be in the place today. Pull up a seat. Yeah, I remember being there with when Texas played Georgia. They got big, bigger recliners, and they've got the big screens. And uh, oh yeah, man, they're they're ready to go. Manning's right. Sports Bar. Uh, at Harris, New Orleans. So, yeah, looking forward to that. That'll be our spot coming up on uh, on Monday, four to seven, while we're watching the Rose Bowl. And several people have uh, messaged in on our conversation about Michigan and Alabama. Rod, this says uh, uh, Michigan is second in run defense, third in pass. Milrow ain't going anywhere. Go blue. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I listen. Michigan defense is legit. That's the question that will be answered. Is have how 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 quickly does it take for them to adapt to a quarterback with that kind of athleticism because they haven't played one all year? Michigan hasn't played anybody all year. I'd argue. Yeah. Ohio State is the best team they've played. Who who did Ohio Uh, State play besides Michigan? Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame would be their Uh, argument back that way. And both played Penn State. How good is Penn State? Look, that's the thing, right? The Big Ten outside of the top two were prehistorically bad this year. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is a step up in class even for them. I think Ohio State's a pretty good football team. They'll play tonight, by the way. Buckeyes are playing Missouri in the Cotton Bowl uh, with their new-look roster as well. This guy, this guy right. Saban, hired a former Michigan coach, so maybe he's the one that warned him about the iPads. <laughs> Remember you yeah. told us about the oh, yeah. linebackers coach? That's coaching? true. He did. He's on the staff, too. Like, he's you bullish on that, Rod, that maybe uh, <laughs> brought in the, uh, hey, I, hey, I, hey I, coach, I don't want to say anything, but you may want to keep an eye on those iPads. Don't take a chance. And there might be some new information that, hey, man, they asked, it was more than just sign stealing. They've been hacking some stuff, too. If I was Nick Saban, I'd respond with the uh, the Mike Leach trick. I'd be putting some phony stuff out there. Put some phony <laughs> Mis- junk. Misinformation? Yes. A little misinformation out gonna, there? If you're going to you know, spy on us, I'm going to go ahead and put some – Wow. Put the reverse Johnny in there on you. No, I listen, I, I'm, I'm with uh, – I'm, I'm all about being cautious in, in regards to that kind of stuff if you're Nick Saban. Don't take a chance. Don't take a chance. There's some uh, sinister stuff happening. Du- duplicitous deeds happening. Hey, there um, are, are you bullish or BS, Rod, that these will be the last games of Jim Harbaugh as the Michigan head coach? Because there's a lot of th- – I mean, the reports are out there that they've offered him a $12 million a year contract, uh, and it's but it comes with the kicker that he can't flirt with NFL teams when the season is over. Yeah. He hasn't signed that yet. No. Uh, $12 million a year mega extension, even with all of the issues – 
Um, are you bullish or BS on the fact that this is, uh, however many games they play here, one or two, that this is it for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan? Oh, that's good. I'm bullish on it that this might be his last hurrah here in Michigan. Just because I think he's getting, you know, I, listen, the, he wants control, though. I know that. He wants a lot of control. That He's kind of a control freak. Uh, there will be, I think, a desperate GM potentially in the NFL that want to do it. Uh, Chicago obviously jumps to mind. They might be in that category. But I think there will be a desperate GM that may make him the an Raiders offer maybe. that he can't refuse. Yeah, I mean, hell, the Chargers, uh, they, don't, they, don't get, they, don't, they don't give up control. That's the, point. That's the problem with the Chargers ownership. They don't want to give up control, really. Yeah, I mean, well, and, you know, then you got to deal with Jim Harbaugh yourself, and he's kind of a pain in the ass. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and it, which is also why I think he, he wears out his welcome at places. He does, and that's why – He wears out his I, welcome, That's man. one of the things I would – if he was asking me, I'd say, Coach, you know, you kind of you, – you, you wear on people. You're good for people, but you wear on them. That's yeah. probably why a rotating you know, roster is good for you in college. In the pros, that's, you know, four, three, four years in, your guys are probably tired of you. That's a great point about the rotating roster. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. The NFL. Well, the NFL is more transient than before, but you still you're still tied to certain guys. Your quarterback, you got to make sure left that tackles, your, your, your core players, whoever your GM is, you're gonna be tied to them. That's a good. I, I I just think that man, the NCAA right now, they seem to be picking on Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, but it's is the NCAA even going to be a, a factor for football and major football in two or three years? Maybe not, but they can really be annoying to him right, <laughs> right now. now. And he does he doesn't like to he obviously he didn't mocks their rules and thinks their rules are stupid. Yep. Headset communication, some of the he, he's he's violated some of the recruiting rules, but everybody mocks how antiquated NCAA recruiting rules are in the modern, you know, kind of the modern ecosystem of college sports. And we also mock that they don't have headset communication in a multi-billion dollar industry that they still don't want to have headset communication. So they force coaches to use pop culture, you know, uh, icons on, uh, on message, uh, so on poster boards and they use messaging with hand signals and stuff like that to get plays in. I think he, that the reason he violates those rules, I think he thinks they're stupid. Because he's an NFL guy. So he doesn't like those rules. And he thinks they're a little bit stupid. And I, that may be a reason he goes to the NFL, too. I'm just tired of that. Uh, Rod, do you have a that. bullish or BS? Anything? Uh, no, not really. I did see not where really. uh, you bullish or BS on this, that Joe Flacco was so <laughs> cool last night at 38 years old and had almost 300 yards passing in the first half. His fourth straight 300-yard game. There are pictures of him maybe dozing off on the bench. Eyes closed. Joe Cool, baby. Joe Cool. <laughs> Joe Cool. Bullish or BS on taking a nap during cool. uh, a convincing win? Yeah, apparently uh, the, to celebrate the uh, Joe Flacco uh, breakout performances, Dude Wipes, they tweeted this out. To celebrate amazing Browns QB play this season and our presenting sponsorship of the team's white unis, fans can bring an old jersey of any Browns quarterback from 1999 to 2021 and we'll swap it out for a new white jersey at the stadium ahead of Thursday night football. Dude Whites loves your Browns. Loves <laughs> your Browns. <laughs> wow. So they're basically saying the other quarterbacks were so bad that, you know, don't use, you know, if you're using Dude Wipes, you know, you might be uh, using them for something else. You're trying to describe those old Browns quarterbacks, the Browns. Coming back, we'll tell you uh, get the headlines, how the Browns did win their fourth straight game and uh, clinch a playoff spot. Also, the other bowl games from yesterday and last night, including the Sooners coughing up the Alamo Bowl. How about Arizona come to get it? We'll get that plus more on Texas and Washington. Final show, uh, hook them up uh, for 2023. Ready to hit the ground running in the new year. We'll tell you about that coming up as well. Took them up, uh, two hours down, three to go on this Friday morning. 